0: Hey, I'm Mike Myers, and this is the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, which is geared to support songwriters and producers to gain confidence and turn pro. I bring on industry experts to help you improve and monetize your skills, engage better in the writing process, and build healthy habits to create a sustainable career that you love. Caffeinated, inspirational, conversational. Hey friends, Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, episode number 97, live gigs to full-time production. Did you know that you might be missing out on amazing songs, amazing melodies that are currently in your brain right at this very moment, as I'm saying this sentence, that are going unused. They're locked, they're in a secret compartment, a secret door in your mind. And I'll tell you what's going to unlock it. It's your guitar. But the problem is, you're not using your guitar to its fullest potential. And that's why I wrote The Songwriting Guitarist, Transformation in Just 15 Minutes a Day. This book walks you through a methodology. Methodology that I've developed in almost a decade, a decade of teaching. Teaching songwriters, guiding them through a process. A process that I use myself, that I've written hundreds upon hundreds of songs, that have gone into production, that have landed into television shows, that artists have released. I'm giving you that formula right now. All you got to do is go to songwritingguitaristbook.com to get your copy. And guess what? I want to give you a free copy, a free freaking copy of this book. All you got to do is just pay the shipping and handling. That's right, I have your copy right here. I just need to know where to send it. So go to songwritingguitaristbook.com to get your free copy, claim it right now, and get those songs that are in your head out of there and get them into the world. Now in this episode, I'm talking with Steph Triveson and I've never met Steph, never met Steph. We've we followed each other mutually on Instagram, but what I love about having a podcast like this Throughout the discussion and the conversation, you're going to see, like, we feel like we've known each other for quite a while because it was a supernatural conversation, but I really wanted to dive into her transformation from live gigging to full-time production and crushing it in sync. I mean, when I'm talking about crushing it in sync, you know, she's had McDonald's commercials, uh, Care Bear. Care Bear, that I was so excited to talk about that. She's had songs on Amazon Prime, the Grammy Awards, the Golden Globes, ESPN, BBC. I could keep on going on and on the amount of work that she has done for TV and film. But what I love is her commitment to the process and allowing it to evolve, knowing when to change. We talk about some of the characteristics that she feels that kind of kept her on this path that didn't allow her to just drop off and give up, but make those changes. Those things I talk about again and again, pivoting, we're going to get into that. So believe me, if you are someone who wants to do this full time, that you want to hear a story of someone that was in your shoes that ha- made that change over time, that will give you some really killer advice and also too you'll just have an amazing conversation this episode you've got to listen to so I'm going to dive into it right now episode number 97 live gigs to full-time production Steph I feel like we've been in the same spaces the same online spaces where it's like I kind of knew you but like I've never met you or had a conversation and so this I is know. it. This is the first one.
1: Yeah, I'm stoked. It's that's the weird thing about the internet is like you can kind of tangentially know other people in the same space where you know 15 years ago that wouldn't have been the case. It's cool. I mean, it's a great like uh, democratizing of of music. I think, but
0: good wordage choices right there. That was like <laughs> swinging out of the gate with like a thesaurus and like boom boom, <laughs> boom boom boom. But it is. It's kind of crazy to think like 15 years ago you were you knew people based on just proximity of where you were in your day-to-day space. But with the expansion of when you're doing online marketing and you're posting content and you're doing things that have particular hashtags and you're in a certain industry, that opens you up to a whole other space of people that you know, but you've never met. And it's crazy. Some of the people that I talk to the most, I haven't met physically at all yet, which is to me, yeah. like, I'm like, wow, it's an amazing kind of age that we live in.
1: Yeah. I I really appreciate it because, yeah, now now living in what is definitely not a music town. Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to, like, disparage Chapel Hill, North Carolina. But, like, you know, it's not Nashville. It's not LA. No. It's not New York. It's not Chicago. Like, it, to, to develop um, a community mm-hmm. is is tough and like growing up in Cleveland that came more naturally because just year after year you meet more and more people in the scene and Mm -hmm. you kind of develop develop it that way but I moved here a couple years ago and I knew no one so it's definitely like having access to folks on the internet and having zoom calls with people this has been my way of like building the network for sure well it's
0: funny because you say you know Yeah, I live now in a – you were like, I don't live in a music – I lived in Pittsburgh, which was not far from Cleveland, but it wasn't a music city per se. And I think it's like when I say that, it's like, yeah, there's good music, but it's not necessarily on the top list of like, this is the music place to be. We just had a lot of bridges, and not all of the bridges were actually like, would you want to drive on?
1: Dangerous roads, dangerous bridges. And it's crazy to
0: think that you were in Cleveland – Uh, because someone, you know, mutually it was like, I was like,
1: oh, my friend Maddie.
0: And it's just like, who's a coach for us. And like her and I have written a ton now that she, you know, I live in Nashville and she lives in Nashville. It's like, it's crazy to actually now see a person. It's probably the one person I actually do see. Um, so for you growing up was, was it always music? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> simple answer, yes. Um, yeah, my, so my dad is a musician, still active. He, uh, he made the, the great uh, snowbird trip from Ohio down to Florida a couple of years ago. And so he plays down there in like a cover duo, you mm-hmm. know. But he played for many years in um, cover bands in Ohio doing like classic rock. And that was that was his lane. But his dad, my grandpa, was a jazz guitarist. And so we, I mean, we, music was always around and I was going to gigs really young. I mean, my first, like my first time on a stage was at a gig that my dad and my grandpa's band had. So they they played at a restaurant, which was like safe enough for me to go to, you know, at 12 or 13. And I jumped on the stage and we played help by the Beatles. And that was the first time I ever, you know, did anything on a stage. So like it was it was definitely part of the DNA. It was always around. And I really wanted to emulate my dad. He had this red Strat. And so I was, like, obsessed with this guitar. And I couldn't even, you know, I could barely pronounce, I certainly couldn't pr- pronounce uh, Stratocaster. But, you know, I could barely yeah. get Strat out. And my parents were like, okay, we got to figure this out. And for Christmas one year, they got me this red, like, plastic guitar that looked kind of like a Strat. And it came with a little microphone and stuff. So, yeah, I got bit by the bug really early. And I wanted to play drums, actually. I, I watched, um, I already mentioned the Beatles, but I watched the movie Help. And Ringo is like the star of yeah. that movie. I don't know if you've seen it mm-hmm. yeah. And so I just, I was like, oh, I got to be a drummer. So that was actually the very first real instrument I got was a, was a drum set.
0: Starting out with drums, I feel, is like really good. Yeah, <laughs> I, it is because not only is it badass, because it's really cool. Actually, guitar is also bad, but like drums, that's another level. But then, like, fast forward now, it's depending on how much you get into it. I'm like, from a production standpoint, it's actually really good to understand the drum kit. I mean, and it's the pieces yeah. of the drum kit and all of that later on.
1: Right. And I never got like super, super good, but I can play even today well enough that like for me when I'm producing, because I'm, I'm all, totally in the box at this point. Um, me too. <laughs> But when I'm, when I'm programming drums, yeah. what? I missed it. No, so. I was like,
0: I'm the same. Like I'm exactly you, the same. You, I'm okay. all in the box. I'm using MIDI drums. I'm throwing it in. I'm, I'm programming and then I'm bouncing and I'm adding samples and sounds. But like that has to be helpful to think of like, oh, I would play that. This is how it would go. I would do a fill. Exactly.
1: Here. Yeah. And I like, I will literally sort of airdrum or like tap on my desk to understand how do I want the part to sound? Where do I want the fills? That yeah. um, it, it makes, I mean, knowing the basics of as many instruments as you possibly can understand. Like mm-hmm. to me, that is, if you want to be a producer, you need to understand as many instruments as you can.
0: So when you were, you know, learning drums, were you also too, like, just obsessed with listening to music? Because I feel like I was at a whole, like, I would listen to albums, you know, from front to back, I would obsess over, like, album covers and, like, liner notes and listen for, like, little tiny sounds and, like, nuances. Not thinking I want to produce, but just obsessed with, like, what is the thing that's happening in right. the songs.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, and and we had a lot of the stuff around the house too. So like if I heard an instrument uh, I was like, oh, I think that might be a flute. I could go find a flute. You know, I could oh, go find cool. a recorder. I could find whatever and sort of like make the connection between what I was hearing professionally that someone else had recorded and what we own. And my dad had a, um, he had one of those like Tascam four track yeah, recorders. Yeah, yeah so that was like right away i was like i want to record music that was something at like six years old you know i'm yeah. trying to figure out how to do this yeah. so it was just like so beneficial to have all of this stuff at my fingertips at such a young age but yeah i mean like that i mentioned the beatles a couple times now but that was what i was obsessed with um growing up i had they had this like greatest hits cassette kind of package where there was like the red cassette and the blue Blue cassette. cassette, Yeah. And they're
0: overlooking like, and it's just like different eras of the Beatles. Yeah. I know which one you're talking about. And I
1: just wore that out. I mean, like that was everything. But at the same time I was listening to like, you know, I'm a, I'm a a late eighties kid. So, um, I was listening to like Jagged Little Pill and Boys to Men too. And, you know, like I I was still getting like a, a modern, um, An influx of like modern music, but still really obsessed with the Beatles, the Beach Boys, Queen, you know, like Mm -hmm. that was what was on in the house.
0: What's interesting about like the Beatles and the Beach Boys, like for me, it was the same thing. Like the Beatles, the white album I obsessed over religiously because it was like, there's also weird songs on there. There's also like, and then just the album artwork and being like, wow, this is, but what, and then at the same time consuming things like, green day and then consuming things like nirvana and a little bit of pearl and all these different like you know early 90s and then like right. it just your amalgamation i guess of like all those things together when did you then make the jump to if you're doing this you know you're writing songs and experimenting when do you start just like playing your own stuff and going yeah. out and start starting to do like that band gigging kind of like next step right
1: well, I had a, a series of really terrible bands in high school, like we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, I I joined the, um, like the, it wasn't an orchestra, but like the band, the uh, you know, sort of wind ensemble in our school and really, really loved that. And I was playing guitar on the side. And by the time I got to high school, there were more and more kids who had experience playing drums and playing bass and singing or whatever. And so I started to find those kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Yeah, we started writing originals. I was probably maybe fifteen or so, um, and just like the most atrocious lyrical content, like songs about Nintendo, yeah. like whatever. You know, you're fifteen. Like, what are you writing about, really? I mean, what um, problems
0: can you write when you're fifty? It's just like it's you try to like write as much as you can, but they're like, oh yeah, okay, those are my problems. Yeah, it's just
1: you know, it's definitely like kid yeah. kid uh, uh, writing, but. Um, yeah, but then that, you know, the first, that first band I was in that was writing these songs, uh, we got a gig at this place in Cleveland called the pit Mm. and Mm -hmm. it was like (laughs) this venue was on the second or third floor of a warehouse building. There's no elevator. So you got to like lug all your stuff up the stairs and, um, and because, and this was a, this was like an all girl pop band, Mm -hmm. um, and, or like pop punk band really. And, um, so we get there and we have these like kind of punk songs, but we're also doing covers of like build me up buttercup, you know, and they're all of the other bands on the bill are like screaming and have these like heavy metal songs. Yeah. And we're just like these, these teenage girls singing ace of bass <laughs> covers. Like it just was really wacky, but, um, but a great starting point, like everybody needs to go through those experiences, I think. So it started for me in my, yeah, early, early teenage years, And just really kept going from there. I don't think I ever slowed down from there.
0: (laughs) Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember I think every town has a venue where it's like, yeah, there's no staircase. There's just one long staircase or like no elevator. It's just this long staircase. And everybody it's like, of course, your bassist got like the Ampeg 8 by 10. And so you have to lug it up. You decided we need road cases. And so now you're just like, oh, shit, this is a terrible idea. And yeah. uh in Pittsburgh what was the smiling moose terrible staircase awful awful place in, in the sense I, of just the the, the, the the duration of like from here to there don't hold on to the railing because the railing isn't secure it's just right. more or less the support yeah it's it's just crazy to think that every place has something like that. But here you are still doing it, and you know. I always mm-hmm. think about. I don't know. Do you ever think about two people that had the same like drive and like they're ready, and then I don't know, then just kind of fizzled out, and they just kind of stopped.
1: I, I would say that's the majority of people, you yeah. know. Like I definitely came up. So, um, I the the bands that I was in in my twenties that had like a little bit of local success. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of came up in an era of this really amazing supportive community yeah and i look back now and i think like how many of us are still doing something in music and it is not it's not many of us there's like maybe i could count on one hand how many folks from that sort yeah. of era of the cleveland music scene are still out and making music so um you definitely but that's like to me that's a prerequisite in in success for anything not just music yeah. is having the ambition the drive the commitment like if you don't have that I mean that's step one. If you don't have that, your 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 chances of succeeding whatever trying you're trying to do will be much lower. I think.
0: I really like that because I kind of feel the same way. Where it was like, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. I remember you know, dating people and they'd be and she would be like, you know, you know, when are your band going to make it? And I'm like, I don't think you know how music works. There's not really yeah. like a mountaintop. It's like this is basically it's going to be uh, another thing, another thing, another thing. Now. I'm curious, the jump from, you know, from someone doing this too, from band to licensing, because for me, I had no idea about this world. It was like, what? What's this? Right. How'd you do this?
1: Well, I also had no clue (laughs) at all. I, I wrote this song... Uh, so I was in a band called These Knees for a little bit, and I wrote this song. That's
0: amazing. These <laughs> Knees.
1: <laughs> I I saw it on your face. You know, I have like I've had a lot of knee issues over the years, and I was really strong. I was like, it was like a solo project, but I wanted a name for it. I'm like, <sighs> what the heck am I going to call this thing? And one day I, I, um, we can, can I like swear on this? (laughs) Yeah,
0: you can, you can fucking swear. That's fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. One day I was like, oh, these fucking knees because I like, I had some pain or something. Right. Yeah. And I was right in the midst of trying to figure out the name. So I was like, okay, it's going to be these knees. And then I just called it a day. But, um, but it was a mistake because I, boy, I will tell you like dozens and dozens of times that people thought I was saying bees knees, like, oh, that's the bees knees. So, um, yeah, not, people never heard it. Right. It was a whole thing, but <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, yeah, bad band names aside, I wrote a song in that band called Pacifica and it had this, like, it was like a surf rock kind of thing. Um, or I'd say like surf indie yeah. vibe, but it had this hook right off the top that was just woes, you know, yeah. but it was a, a catchy woe section. And I was approached by someone connected to jukebox the like ghost. Do you remember that band? I do remember that. Yeah. I don't remember if it was like a manager or how, how they were related, but they kind of like pitched themselves as being connected to that band. And they were like, Hey, that song Pacifica, like that could be a target commercial. Have you ever thought about writing songs for commercials? And I had no idea. Like where, yeah. where do you even start with that? Right. And uh, so we had a meeting and it didn't go anywhere. I don't think they knew how to do it either. They just like saw maybe potential. And and I was like, okay, I'm gonna like store that little nugget for when I need it. And several years went by. Um, and then I, a friend of mine, uh, was, she's a big sports fan, but she watches like the uh, women's national soccer team and like the WNBA, a lot of women's sports. And she was like, Steph, you were an athlete you're a musician. I watch these games and they have all of these hype songs that men are singing. There should be a woman singing the song for these games. And I was like, all right, let me try something. And so I came up with a song called Outlaw and I pitched it to the professional fast pitch league and they used it that year. And that was like really my first actual um, Can we appreciate was-
0: all that action just all within that couple of sentences? So your friend says, hey, you know, it's just, you know, here's all this women's sports and it's all these dudes that are just be like, yeah, and then you're just like, wait a minute. Okay, I'm going to take this and I'm going to do something
1: right. and you
0: did it. And not only that, but then you sought out an opportunity. You went and you are like, hey, I've got this. right. So many people have these opportunities where people are like, you should do this, and they go, yeah, I'll think about it. That's my favorite. I'll think about it. Or it's like, I'll look into it. Look into what? They've told you exactly what needs to happen, and you did that all within boom, boom, boom. That, to me, is crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, I... I always felt like, you know, I'm never, ever, ever the most talented person in any room or session or anything. Like I, I feel a lot of imposter syndrome, but I am, um, more dedicated and, you know, committed and willing to put in work and willing to try things and also like willing to make an ass of myself. You know, I've got a lot of embarrassing stuff out there from my early years of trying to figure it out. Um, and I think that that has, been kind of like the difference maker for me is um is finding a way like yeah. just figuring yeah. out how to do it uh and that's where i see a lot of folks that yeah they they might want the they want the placement they want the like glory of some of the stuff that they're seeing you do but they're not willing to put in the work for it and I would say that that's kind of like one of the biggest downfalls I, I I see with folks is like just put in the effort, you know. People want shortcuts. There aren't a lot of shortcuts. There's no you just gotta do the work. <laughs> There's zero. Yeah.
0: It's basically the show. And I feel the same way. It's like, I'm not the craziest guitar player. I'm not the the best producer. I'll show up. I'll be nice. I'll be polite. I'll do the work. I'm yeah, I'm not afraid the fuck up. I'm not afraid to make a mistake because Probably something good's going to come from that mistake. Yeah, I may right. write 10 songs that go nowhere, but I've got 10 songs that I've gained new information that'll help the next 10 songs probably be way better. Right. Uh and I'm okay with being uncomfortable. Like it's just like yeah, I'll be uncomfortable for a while, then there's a period of not being uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. But it's just all the good stuff. Yeah. I feel like all the good stuff comes from the discomfort. Like that's where that's where you learn and grow and whatever is like you've got to get uncomfortable. I think that's that's part of it.
0: Complacency doesn't really build like really next level things. And I think yeah, what you're describing for me too, the series is you never got to a point where it was like, I'll let it just this is good. And I'll just let this be this is it right but it's cool there's another thing there's another thing because music or in licensing too is just this never-ending it just keeps going there's not going to be a point where it's like you know mountaintop and it's like i've reached the top of the plate no it's it's just like you got to keep on going to the next one the next one
1: right but it's a funny misconception that people have that like there's yeah there's like some when that's ever going <laughs> to be enough you know that's going to be like okay i'm good now you know like I, that's never the case and i i mean i suppose maybe for some people they feel that way for me i am always 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 thinking like oh it was really awesome that i just was hired to do the new care bears theme song
0: which i wanted Where- to talk about cuz i think that's fucking awesome now it's like how did that happen
1: <laughs> we can do we can cover that yeah but i, I want to know like, how did that happen yeah, well, so um, so Care Bears, the company that owns the Care Bears, is called Cloud Co., mm-hmm. and they are owned by American Greetings, and both of those are based in Cleveland, and uh, so they have, and like kudos to them, but they have really leaned into like local talent anytime that they've needed uh, music mm-hmm. or uh, illustration. And so it's funny because over the years, I've watched several of my friends do different voices for the Care Bears. Um, and I, I, you know, thought, oh, maybe one day, because, you know, there's only so many of us that could do like kind of a cutesy thing. Right. And I was like, eh, maybe one day I'll get it. But um, yeah, it was super happenstance. They, they were coming out with a new bear called Dare to Care. And Dare to Care has like a little bit of a mohawk and sort of like a blend of colors Mm -hmm. and they wanted it to be a a certain kind of vibe. And uh, the producer who was hired for it thought of me to be the vocalist. So I, I did the vocals and then... You know, they, they first they wanted 15 seconds, and then they wanted 30 because they liked it so much, and then they wanted a minute, and so the the song kept growing, and eventually we built out a full song for them. And as a result of that, I actually produced the song as well. There's a there's a section of the song that we had to add um, while the original producer was on vacation, so I filled in, f- figured out that section, produced it, wrote some lyrics. And yeah, and then like a few months later, it was an illustrated music video essentially for this release of this new Care Bear. That's so, <laughs> but again, it's like
0: what you described is a moment and you can't, you you either, you just need to just jump into it. There's no kind of like, oh, this is the book in the textbook that will prepare you for when, the, and then you have to build out another half of the song and jump in and do that. That is a whole series of just like, these are opportunities and you just need to live into it and you just do the work, which, but it's fucking Care Bears. And I'm like, that's so amazing. And I love that, that they looked locally too, for like, that that's where they started because like you described kind of like, oh, this is wine. It's like, whoa, I didn't know that. And that's amazing.
1: No. Yeah. So now there's like this this Cleveland super group of former Care Bear singers who I think we should get together. I was gonna say, show. is there
0: like is it, it's a, it's almost like a gang that you get together every like you know yeah. couple of months and you just like Care Bears and you all have jackets too, their leather jackets yeah. with the Care Bear on the back. I but, love that idea. Now, to me, it, one thing writing, but another thing producing, because that is. It's like two different hats that you have to wear. Well, you're doing to, you're writing, producing, and you're top line. And so to me, there's like three hats. How do you view your role kind of like in that creation of mm-hmm. concept, building the structure and the ground and, and the the feeling, the vibe? And on top of that, supplying the vocal, the mm-hmm. thing that we're always like listening for and parts that are being used. Like, how do you navigate those waters?
1: Well, I think for me, it it started with um, like, I've always viewed songwriting as a thing that I loved from the time I was, you know, like I said, uh, probably my early teens was Mm -hmm. when I started actually, I mean, I wrote some songs when I was like, six or seven, but you can imagine what those sounded like. Fucking awesome. Awesome. Cause maybe they were, <laughs> it's just like, it but- was maybe a little catchy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, I always saw songwriting as like in my head, I would hear all the stuff, you know, I would hear the drums, I would hear the guitar because I, I was like, sort of capable of playing all the things. That's how I, I put the songs together in my head. And then I would, in bands, I would say like, Hey, bass player, can you try this? Hey, drummer, can you do something a little bit more like this? So I felt like I was always kind of producing in a, in a way when I was songwriting. Um, and then I started to actually need to do it. I wanted to demo the songs that I was hearing so that I could kind of serve up parts. And so in, for, for me, it feels like they're all kind of part of the same process. Like when I, when I do songwriting now, I'm sitting in front of a computer almost, I would say, 95% of the time. Like that's how I start. And... You know, I've got all the stuff. At my I've got my guitars. I've got my keyboard. I have everything I need surrounding me. Um, but I kind of start here, and I think as it relates to sync or like learning how to produce for sync, it's not that different. Ultimately, you you're just trying to create the best song that you can create. And if it's a crappy song, or if it's if it sounds too much like sync, they're gonna sniff that out and say like no that's not something we want. So I think you have This to is going to be a social
0: media clip song. right here just this moment because <laughs> I'm just like this needs to be one on loop again because this is again refreshing to hear because I feel like I yeah. say it a lot people say it. but having you just be like oh yeah it can't be a sing song it has to be like a yeah. really good song I'm like oh, yeah
1: right it's it just, like, you can you can feel when it's inauthentic, and I'm not saying, like, I certainly write lyrics from perspectives other than my own life all the time, but it still needs to come from a place of authenticity, and it needs to sound real, like you're a real artist, and you are a real artist, you know, but, like, you're, like, building these this sort of puzzle of this song to fit a specific end use, so... I, to me I don't think of them as like you know oh I'm writing a song or I'm writing a song for sync they're they're one and the same I, I, I'm just trying to do and I'll say with like anything that I do in my life I'm just trying to do the best that I possibly can <laughs> so that's what I strive for sometimes I, I sometimes I don't do so well sometimes I hit a home run so um, it's a little bit of both but then yeah I, I always try to come with the lens of you um, like, what's the reference, I guess? Like, what what am I trying to accomplish with this song? That, where do I think it will land? And, um, and then writing with that in mind, both lyrics, like vocal delivery, trying to figure out the best ways, the best chance I have to get placed is to, like, think about those things as I'm writing. I so,
0: love that. Yeah. Especially your... Th- you ha- you're starting to compose it, but you're thinking about the bigger picture. What am I pointing yeah. this to? What do mm-hmm. I have to be like? This is what I'm aiming for. This is what I hope for it to sound like. As opposed to being like, I'll let inspiration take the wheel and I'll figure out what it's going to get. And then, meanwhile, that's where you get like the Frankenstein kind of like weird. Like, yeah. This sounds like Nickelback, Miley Cyrus, a little bit of the Bee Gees, and. Teletubbies. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, like, not good. it's not good. <laughs> it's just all over. But it's just, but you have to, it still has to point somewhere. But again, authenticity. I'm like, yep, because mm-hmm. they can, they can sniff out something that's totally fake.
1: And I think that's where, like, you mentioned just being a lover of music at a young age. I think that's where, like, having a really wide, and, and also deep appreciation for music goes a long way because if someone comes to you with a brief and they want a hip hop song, well, guess what? Like I have, I've been in rock bands my whole life, but I know and appreciate hip hop from, you know, certain mm-hmm. artists that I've liked over the years. So that's the angle that I come from is trying to figure out like, okay, if I, if I wanted to make a, a kid cutty, so like, what does that sound like? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so you gotta, I think having that like depth, that knowledge of music in general, goes so so far if you're trying to be a producer in specifically in the sync space
0: hey it's mike and i just wanted to jump in the middle of this episode to let you know that i have a secret other podcast that's right it's super secret it's secret because we haven't been telling anyone about it and then we realized We need to be talking about this more. I have an after-hours podcast. That's right. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central, I'm going live on our YouTube page, and I'm talking a little bit more about the episode that we just released because these podcasts come out on Wednesday and I dive even deeper the process behind why we chose this topic, uh, kind of the backstory, all the little details, all the extra things that I wish we could get into uh, in the regular podcast. But honestly, with time, we don't always get a chance to do that. So I was like, we need to have an after hours podcast. This is where you can come. It's live. You can ask me questions. So remember, just go to youtube.com slash songwritingforguitar. You're gonna to see where you can join our lives so remember wednesday at 7 p.m central the after hours podcast all right let's jump back into the episode how do you navigate to coming from a live band perspective and then coming to the product because i always like try to describe someone okay How you play it live is not necessarily how you have to play it when you're recording, because like live is a moment, recording is something that's going to be used again and again. Right. How do you, as a producer, kind of like, again, I guess, navigate those waters of like, oh, it's just like that's the live feel, but this is how it needs to be for recording?
1: Yeah. I feel like it's so much about serving the song. Like when you're live, I've definitely seen bands play live where you know you've got a guitar player you've got a guitarist who's like playing a part and then you've got a bass player playing a part and you've got the drummer doing at the the most you know as much as he can possibly do and it's sort of chaotic but in a live setting it's like oh wow look at all this energy on the stage this is kind of fun and Mm. you can kind of like accept that when it's live recording I think it's you really have to be very careful about how you're serving the song and not having too many competing parts and just really pulling it back a bit you know getting really tight I think about the way that I track guitar parts now is like as tight and tidy as I can possibly make them um yeah I I don't know I mean like
0: yep yep I agree it's just like it has to be but that just made me so like when you were like yeah, when you see it live, it is impressive. When you listen to it, it's like, this sounds like a jumbled mess.
1: Right. It's like a cacophony of I don't know, it just is it's never good. Um, you know, like I, I just I, I struggle when I see that kind of stuff, particularly with young bands, because it's like, well, you just don't you guys are just all trying to play the coolest parts <laughs> that you can play on top of each other. And that's that's not what good songwriting is about. It's maybe fun, but it's like you're not going to get far if that's no. what you're doing all the time. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but I love that you're you're looking for it to be fluid, to have that the so- serve the song, to have lots of moments, lots of possible use for that. And I feel like for me in the beginning, I was better at that than the technical side of recording because there was a whole bunch of shit that I was just like, I don't know what this does. Like you know, I'd hear, well, you just need to bust that. What what mm-hmm. what is that? I don't know right. what that means and I'm scared right. to hit the bus thing on logic cuz I have no idea what it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what are, what where do I need to bus it and why do I need to bus it? What is it going to do? I don't think it does right. anything. Um right. Right. how is that too like you know starting to build that that repertoire of, you know, the technical side as yeah. you're creating.
1: Well, like for me, it was, it was pretty like a natural evolution no. over a decade. You know, like I said, I was starting to make demos and stuff. And I had been in the studio enough times with this wonderful, wonderful engineer, Jim Stewart. So hi, Jim, if you're listening. Um, but I was in the studio enough times with him and really was like a sponge and wanted to learn what he was doing and tried to really pay attention. Um And so then when it came time to like tracking stuff on my own, I was like, Oh, why can't I get it to sound like he did? Like, what do I have to do to get that delay to sound separate? What do I have to do to like, you know, create space from this re my re there's too much reverb and my vocals washed out. Like, what can I do? Yeah. And so I think it was like a natural progression of like, experience in a proper studio with being able to watch people who knew what they were doing and then trying to recreate that myself and i i spent a few um probably a few years just like watching youtubes and trying to gain knowledge that way um and eventually i felt like that started to there was a snowball effect of like mm-hmm. oh i'm making so many connections now i finally understand how all these things work And today I still, I mean, like every week I'm watching tutorials from different producers and taking in as much content as I can, because I still feel, although I have, you know, paying gigs and clients and artists who want to work with me and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, I still don't feel like I'm, you know, that great of a producer. I, I, I have so much further to go. Than where I'm at today. So it's like constant learning, like a, a growth mindset, you know, like yeah. to me that has been everything, but the technical stuff, honestly, it's just like watching YouTube and saying, yeah, why do I need a bus? What does it do? Where does it, when I, when I click on this, where does it even like send the new track? Like yeah, trying to figure out all that. I really just watched and learned. <laughs> I
0: love, it, it's the same. Like, I think there's something you said of just watching somebody do their yeah. thing. And just be like, Oh, that's interesting. They're going there. Okay. I would also say, right. I'm not gonna ask you any questions. I just wanna watch, which was a total lie, because I'd always like be like, oh, I got a question. Why are you doing but just being there? Like I re- we were talking about drums and I remember there was a period where I was like, Man, my drums sound so fake. Like they yeah. sound like mini drums. I'm like, Well, number one, you're not separating them. Okay. Remember, like when you were in the studio, there were lots of mics everywhere too. Like they mic right. under the drum, on top of the drum, over the drum, the side of the kit. So they're picking up all these different like so so try to recreate like what was the room drum sound like what was the bullet mic that's like super shitty that like distorts and then plant and it's like oh wait a minute you're right that's why i had those moments right because i do know i just have to be more intentional and like think about think about as i put it together but i also love how you mention even though you get to a point where great things are happening you never become complacent in that and it's like, cool, it's time to up the learning. I feel like I always have to invest more in the education side because if I don't, then I'm going to stay at a certain point or my fear is always like then just the slight just right. like regressing, if any.
1: Right. Yeah, I, the complacency is just like so boring to me. I'm yeah. like, okay, whatever. Like, move on. I, I want to learn. I want to grow. Mm-hmm. I want to be better always. Um, yeah, you, you got to put in that effort. I think it's interesting, like, talking about um, you know the studio mics and being in a space watching someone do their thing and going back to what I was saying about like really understanding at a basic level, how to play as many instruments as you can think about pro programming drums. And sometimes people will bring like a demo where they've programmed the drums and the hi-hats. There's like no velocity difference on the hi-hats or something, you know? So it's just like, like it's awful. And I think like, yeah, what drummer do you know that plays a hi-hat like that? No one. You know, you gotta like think about (laughs) it's It's like, how do you make this sound more human? You gotta like Mm -hmm. you're you're doing it in a computer. So now you now you have all these these tools at your fingertips. Yeah, but you have to still make it sound human, you know. So it's It's tricky, but I think so much of it just comes from the observation and, yeah, watching people that are excellent at their craft and trying to take what you can from them.
0: And I I think the one thing that you did, which also helps, is just like that implementation you're watching and you just start doing because you have two options. I think people also wait where they're like, I'm just going to accumulate more knowledge and give it 10 years and that's when I'll make my first move. And it's like, no, 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 no. You got to move now. But it's not going to be good. Oh, no, no, right. I won't. You got to be okay right. with it not being good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's going to be trash for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just being
0: okay with that. And I guess maybe that's right. the first level of uncomfortable. Or maybe the first level of com- uncomfortable, I don't know. It's like For me, it's starting a band and singing terrible songs. And just being right. in front and being uncomfortable that they suck and nobody likes your band at first. Or it's just like only a small pool of people do, and that's as far as you get. And some people get disheartened by that and others go like, yeah, okay, well, I'll start again. I'll do another one. I'll see what happens this time. And Mm -hmm. they try, they just at least attempt to do it again, but try to do a better version.
1: Right. It feels like there's maybe some level of like healthy delusion You know, yeah. where you like don't know that you suck maybe or like, or like, oh, I suck a little, but like maybe I'm not so bad. <laughs> you know, like some kind of delusion helps you move move forward, I think.
0: You know, everybody talks about ego and I think there's two sides. There's a healthy ego and then there's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Unhealthy is like, I'm the best, and you're the, You know, it, there's that side. And there's like, you know what? I can't be really good at this. I think things are going right. to work out. I mean, it's not necessarily it might not be in the time frame that I want, and it may not always be the way I want, but I think I'm going to be okay, and I think this is going to be this is going to you kind of have to believe in some sense yeah. that things are going to work out, that it will be worth it, and you just have to be okay with that,
1: yeah and i think it's like taking taking the winds and using those as fuel too mm. you know it's like um if i hadn't received there were certain signs along the way that like oh maybe i'm on the right path you know yeah. i was like I was booked for like a McDonald's commercial. Um, I had like a really cool interaction with Jack Antonoff once where he was like, wow, you guys are actually like a really tight um, local band. Like we almost never have local openers that are as tight as you guys are. He wanted to trade CDs, you know, and like it's those little moments. That's a pretty
0: fucking awesome. Those are several awesome (laughs) moments. So did you open up for fun early on?
1: It wasn't fun, actually. It was Steel Train. So oh, his that's band right. prior was, to fun. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, Man, yeah. That was like, I that was a hidden on.
0: drive-through band. Steel yes, train. That was Drive definitely through, yeah. drive-through records. That's a hidden band right there.
1: Yeah. So steel train played the grog shop in Cleveland and we were an opening act. And at the end, um, and I knew them because I was like into that scene, like fearless drive-through, like the uh, epitaph, all those, mm-hmm. those labels I was like really into. And, um, so I knew I definitely knew them, was a little bit starstruck. And Jack came up after after the gig and like wanted, like I said, he he was like, Can we trade CDs? Which now is like so laughable to me that this dude who's this mega producer ever wanted to just like exchange a CD. And our our the one that I gave him was like. A home studio, super shitty recording. I just think he got the bad end but of that But it's that that, deal.
0: that it's moments like that that do yeah. have to power because you have to. It's not always going to be front and center, spotlight, amazing. It like you know, like how you want. It. It's just going to be these little tiny moments of like right oh, this is good. And if people are like, Jai who's that? And it's like, uh, he just produces basically all of Taylor Swift. Now Lana Del Rey and is basically right. this Grammy award winning producer. Then did the band Fun, has had numerous hit singles. You know, just how it is, you know, hangs out with comedian Mike Birbiglia. They're besties and they're doing all. But that to me is like, those are moments where you're like, okay, cool. You know what? I'm just going to remember this, especially when things are not necessarily, I wake up and they're sunny. They're like, it's a day where I could hit the eject button and not create, but I, something tells me, no, I'm just going to put in the work anyway. I'm just going to show up because I need to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for me, it was always like, well, well, maybe I do have something, yeah. you know, I always needed that reassurance that I wasn't just terrible at everything. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, if Jack liked what we did, like, that's cool. May- maybe I've got something there. And if, like I said about, you know, someone hired me to be in a McDonald's commercial, that's cool. I must have like something that's appealing. At that you know, point, like, you
0: have to be like, I, I am doing something
1: right, right. And I got to just right. keep on going. And that's the key is you have to, you can't just give up because it's hard a lot of the time. You just have to keep going. If you, if you, if what you want is to be successful or like have a, have like a career or even a side hustle, like I have a full-time job. Um, so like if, you if that's what you want, I think, um, you, you gotta use those moments and you need to, I don't know, just, just hold on. Well, I think you do (laughs) because you described it. I think it is, you just
0: have to, you, you know, if you want this then act like you want to show up right. do it. And right. it's, and be okay with just, you know, you're going to have to put in the work, just accept that and just be right. like, this is how it is. And that's okay. You know? Right. And it, but you know, I'm sure some people will be like, but it happened quickly for so-and-so. That's great. That's awesome. I think it's also coming from a place of gratitude when you see someone do something that's great and it works out for them to, Be happy. (laughs) I'm trying to to be happy and not like, that was a (laughs) missed opportunity for me. But it's just like, that's fucking amazing. Like, I love hearing when people do good shit. It's just fun to hear because it's like, what's always interesting, there's always a cool story. It's never just like, it happened overnight. It's just like, here's what happened. Like, this, and then this happened. It's like, oh, that's cool. And to me, then it's like, I look forward to. Not only them getting more moments like that, but then having a moment like that myself where I'll be like, You're gonna not believe it. I was at this gas station when da-da-da. And like it's a you know, weird story, but it happened. Those are cool. Yeah, for sure. Now, my question would be: if somebody was starting out in production right now, and let's say they're they're just starting out, and everything seems daunting, like this entire process, you know, they love it, but it seems daunting. What would be your best piece of, I guess, kind of encouragement? Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I would say start with with where you're at. Start where you're at now. Yeah. Um, If if what that means is like you play guitar and you sing and that's all you know how to do, well, then get really good at making demos of you playing guitar and singing. Mm -hmm. You know, like track your parts, double double track your guitar, like. Learn the sort of um basics of how to make those two elements sound as good as they can. And I, certainly like I, I've been promoting YouTube, but, like go to YouTube, find I those love videos. All
0: of, and you're right. It's just like if you could just get a good recording of your guitar and vocal. Right. But just starting with where you're at because people are always looking to, well, what should I do now? And it's like, well, what can you do right this very moment? like what's like step right. one you could do? Right. That is and fantastic. Then I think, though, yeah,
1: I think when you get good at that, you know, like the there's at least for me, there's a bit of like a an obsession about recording, or like I, I do something and it sounds cool, and I'm like, oh, great, maybe I'll put bass on it now, you know, and like you start to let your excitement take you to the next step and the next step and the next step. Um, then I think you just you do that for years mm-hmm. and <laughs> you build on it and just see where it takes you. But like you got to start with with where you are and not have like unrealistic expectations that like suddenly you're going to be Jack Antonoff, for example, in in two months of producing. That's not going to happen. But you can get there over a period of time, depending on how much work you put into it. You know? Ooh,
0: there! I like that. I like that. You're like over a period of time, depending on how much work. you get. just like just little, that little slide <laughs> at the but I think, yeah, it's just starting where you are mm-hmm. and being okay with that. Like, what's the one thing you can do right now? Cool. You right. can play guitar and you can sing. Start just doing lots of vocal like demos of yourself because they're going to be bad. Because right. I feel like yeah. it, there was a period of time, too, of getting used to hearing myself. Nothing was worse than like a dry vocal in the studio in a section where I totally fucked up and it was on loop and repeat. And it was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 I don't believe in hell, but if this was hell, this this would be it right here. Just listening to that one vocal again and again, but then eventually it's almost like becoming immune to it and being like, "Oh yeah, that's totally wrong. Cool. Here's what I have to do to make it right."
1: Exactly. Whew. Yeah, like lo- shedding the embarrassment of it, like. Yeah. We're we're human beings. We're not going to sing every take perfect. In fact, most takes I think are going to have <laughs> a lot of mistakes. So, so like just go through and, and listen and be yeah. critical and fix the parts that you need to fix and then move on. You know. Oh. There's a great video. Um, I want to say it was on like a Netflix show with David Letterman, maybe. But there's a, a video of um, Billy Eilish. And maybe Phineas was there too, but showing him how many takes—like basically a comp—they were he was they were describing how you comp vocals, and they were like, "Oh yeah, this one took thirty-four takes or ha- whatever it was," mm-hmm. and he was so blown away by that. But it's like, yeah, that's that's how a lot of people do it. I mean, certainly there there are probably one take wonders out there, but I don't think that that's the norm. Um, I saw that so video yeah. and
0: it was great because it was just yeah. like he was just blown away. She was like, different take different take, right. different take, different take. And he was like, what? That sounds like one. And it's like, yeah, that's the whole idea. <laughs> right. Um, but oh my goodness, Steph, this was awesome. I feel like it, it, there's so much more we could get into it because I feel like we can do a half of mindset because we've barely covered like, yeah, we've covered story. But to me, like, you know, starting to build your your journey too it's like it's a whole bunch of mindset and a whole mm-hmm. bunch of building yourself up a lot
1: yeah but there's a there's so much there's this. So i feel much. like there could be therapists who exist solely to work with musicians i think
0: i i think there are that's what that's what coaches are. That's what, yes coaches yeah. you're right mm. you're right
1: this is great so yeah. if people
0: want to follow you where do they go
1: uh, well, I'm primarily on the socials. I'm on Instagram at, uh, Steph Trivison music. Uh, I've got Steftrivison.com, of course, I've got an email list, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, Instagram's my, my main source. So you have the best chance of reaching me there. Um, and then just stay tuned to your televisions because there might be a song on there that I worked on. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
0: This is awesome stuff. Oh, and yeah.
1: Hey, before we go, I got to congratulate you. Your book's out to Well, and and folks will this will yeah. be later when you air it, but your book's out today. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. That's a huge accomplishment.
0: Yeah. It was fun. It, it was it was yeah. cool. That that in itself was the doing of just like, I should write a book. Cool. Let's, let's go do it. Let's let's just yeah. like, uh, yeah. Thank you. I'm so glad that we were able to like chat because I feel like now we were, we were passing strangers in the Instagram space, but now it's just like, okay, we talked.
1: Yeah. This is so I, good. I'm stoked. I've been, I've been excited since you reached out. I'm, I'm so happy to me. I feel like we're, um, you know, I've looked at some of your stuff. Like I know you're a Butch Walker fan. He's like my favorite musician of all time. It's my he, one you hope know, in like,
0: Nashville that we're going to, bu- you know, that we're going to just, you know, I don't know. I pass by him in a Kroger and I'm
1: just yeah. like, yeah, you should. Well, you should just. Well, I should. You shouldn't stalk him, but you should try to in, uh, increase your chances of meeting him. I think I, while you're there, I,
0: I would love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I feel like I feel like Kindred. I don't know. I'm like I I have obviously taken in a lot of your content. I know you're in your late 30s. I'm in my late 30s. We're you're from Pittsburgh. I'm from Cleveland. I feel like we have so many just like alignment yeah. things happening there. Um, that I feel like I know you, but it is so great to to finally actually get to talk. <laughs>
0: Likewise. I feel like I know you too. And it's just like, Hey, yeah. we actually talked like this was not on Instagram, but this was, yeah. and I'm sure this will be, I will have you back because I feel like there's, we've just barely scratched the surface.
1: Yeah, man. H- happy anytime. Let me know.
0: Awesome. Thanks for being on.
1: <laughs> <though>. <laughs> Thank you.
0: And that does it for this week's episode. Like always, it was edited and produced by Chris Fafalius. I'm Mike Myers. I can't tell you how many times I have to record the word edited. It's hard to say. Try to say it naturally a few times. But anyway, thanks for listening.